Hello, hello everybody. Hopefully the um the sound is okay. I'm actually recording on my phone today because I'm at my parents' new house. My um my mum and dad finally got a new house in Newcastle. They've been wanting to kind of find a place where they can retire for a long time now. Uh, and they finally found one. They won't be gonna they won't be retiring for like another two to five years, but um they've got this really nice house in Newcastle now, and so I'm down there visiting and yeah, it's really cool. Except it's this, you know, beautiful house is kind of close to the beach and it's raining outside right now. So I thought, hey, what better time to do <laughs> a podcast? So anyway, um, I've been working lately on, um, upgrading Quasar version one to version two. And we've just finished that. We've just pushed the changes. Everything ran quite smoothly. I was surprised actually how, um, smoothly, smoothly everything went in the end. Most of the upgrade stuff wasn't really Quasar. It was more like view two to view three related stuff. And we didn't want to use any of the backwards compatibility stuff. We kind of just wanted to like face it head on, get it done, and then be able to move on with our lives and kind of leave view two behind us. So that's what we've done. And this also raises a lot of, um, new interesting questions around architecture. Uh, because there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with Vue 3 in relation to architecture that I've wanted to explore. So and the biggest one for me that I've been thinking about lately is Anthony Fu's um, unplug-in for global, uh, what do you call it, like global variables. I don't really know how to name it. Global imports, that's what it is. So being able to say, for example, ref, and then having that automatically import in your SFC. So we're using script setup in our single file components, meaning that everything is like um, a whole lot cleaner. But then on top of that, we are starting to use these global imports. And the cool thing about it is, uh, let me just take a step back here. One thing that we do is uh, we have like a model system on our front end, which, you know, a lot of people do if they're building um, larger applications. And... We've got, for example, a user model and we've got a use model composable. And so what we'll do is we will import the user model class. Okay. And then we'll have the use model composable, which will take that user model class. Um, and then, so by, by the time you finish doing all of this, and then you actually need to say, um, use model to actually have that sort of instance of um, the use model class, the, the use model composable, if that makes sense. So and I know this can be a little bit hard to track, but basically imagine this, you've got import user, import use model, then you've got user equals use model and you pass through the user. So that's three lines of code just to start using a model. And it just feels a little bit heavy to me. And um, this isn't really the composition API's fault. This is just kind of like, um, it's, it's just the fact that there's so much stuff you need to like mid, you know, merge together. And it's the fact that we're not just using our models straight up, um, directly on the class. We're actually like creating instances of this composable, but. Anyway, so that's our setup. And it's really nice because it means that our use model composable does a lot of the work for us. Creating models, updating models, um, getting the model in the first place, finding models. Basically, all of this functionality is sitting inside of that composable in a way that's optimized. Um, and it's great because we only have to change that composable then and, you know, add features to that composable and we get them for all of our models. It's absolutely wonderful. Great pattern. Highly recommend it. Um, but, you know, this kind of been bugging me. I, I always have this sort of nirvana in my head of what my code should look like. You know, things need to be as 
basic and simple as possible. And so one thing I thought was, well, what we could do for every model is have, for example, a use user model composable. Now by doing that, all I have to do is import use user model and it automatically uses the class for me, meaning that I don't need to do any of those crazy imports anymore. So basically what I'm saying is all you have to do is say import use user model and then you say const user equals use user model. Done. So now you've um, you've brought that down from three lines of code to two lines of code by basically wrapping all of your models in this way. Like, uh, so what we would do is we'd um we're already generating our code from a schema, our classes from a schema. So as we generate our classes from a schema, schema, we would also generate um these use user composables or use comment composables or use farm composables, whatever. All right. So you can very easily. Um, use that class in a meaningful way. So that's the, oh, I've got an alarm going off. Let me just stop that. All right. So hopefully you're following so far. If you're not, sometimes it's fun to, at least I like listening to very technical podcasts. Um, even if I don't really understand it all, I don't know. I just find it enjoyable. So hopefully you're enjoying this too. But then I thought to myself, hang on. Why don't we go one step further? What, what is stopping us? from using Anthony Foo's um, auto global import plugin for all of those models so that we literally don't import anything. We just say const user equals use user model. Now, the, the reason this will work is because um, his global import plugin will automatically create a d.ts file. So basically, it's TypeScript friendly. Um, it means we're able to use, import our own things ourselves without losing that TypeScript support, which is really important in a TypeScript project. Otherwise, it just becomes completely unfeasible. And so that's the first thing we thought, well, hang on, wh why don't we just do that? Um, and the other thing is it's still IDE friendly. So that means when I say use user, um, I'm automatically going to get, you know, this drop down of, um, uh, all of the, all of the kind of composables I've got there. And the cool thing about that is you might not really remember the name of it, especially if it's kind of a complicated name for a class. We've got some pretty complex class names, um, because we kind of decided that we're going to follow, um, a structure for naming our classes. Uh, so especially for like pivot tables, or sometimes we've got pivot tables, um, for like three different models, like a, you know, a tri pivot. I don't know what you call that. Um, and because of that, we end up with very long class names sometimes. And the cool thing about this is I can say now, let's say we've got a farm, livestock, enterprise period model, which we actually have. It's one of the more wacky ones that we've got. I could say farm, livestock, and then I'm start going to get a list in my IDE of all the different, um, all the different, uh, composables I've got for that class. Do you see what I mean? Like it just makes it a little bit more IDE friendly. So here's the other thing. The, the first thing I thought then was, Hang on. The bad thing about globals is that you end up with name clashes a lot. But since we've got the word use in front of all of these, everything's kind of namespaced by default. So by saying use, uh, farm model, for example, that's basically farm model namespaced with the word use. And it's kind of namespaced twice because it's namespaced with the word use at the front, but it's also made a little bit more specific by the word model at the back. And so this is kind of what I mean thinking. And what one person mentioned online, and this is a really valid um, point when I went to Twitter with this, then you need to train people. You know, too much magic can be bad because you need to train people on how to use your system more. 
And so, like, that's a totally valid point. And if you've got a project that you're then going to palm off, you know, to somebody else in the future, or you might not be sticking onto that project long term, that totally makes sense. The reason I think it doesn't make it's okay for us is that we, we this is a large project, right? This is if you're working on this project, this is all you do all day, right? You work on the AgriPath because that's the company I work for. You work on the AgriPath View Quasar project. Right. And so we can afford to have that little, you know, 30 second conversation that basically says, Oh yeah, we're automatically importing it. And then they know for the life, you know, for the rest of the time they're working on the project. Oh, that's okay. I know how to use this. It's not the kind of project, uh, you know, it's the kind of project that you document where we've got some low level stuff that we rely on that we built ourselves to, um, increase um, our efficiency working on this project, you know, there's, for example, our composables, we've got to use model composable, we've got to use model collection composable. Um, sometimes these patterns can be overkill for smaller projects, but for us, we lean on those so much. We lean on those kind of APIs that we've built ourselves because it kind of speeds up our development process so much that um, I would rather have that and just take the extra time teaching someone because then they become super efficient as an AgriPath programmer. So that's one thing to consider. The fact that when you start doing magic stuff, you really need to walk that line there because if you have too much magic stuff in your project, you can ruin everything. And actually, I'll give you an example of that. One thing that I used to do is I used to take all of the models um, and I, I used to take all of our classes and behind the scenes in code automatically manipulate those classes and add, for example, um, if, if it's got a relationship, I would add ways to update that relationship on the model. And none of this was transparent. So none of the classes could actually see that they had ways of updating the relationship. I would basically go over every class, check if it had a relationship, if it had, create a function on the fly. So it was not TypeScript friendly at all, zero type support. Um, and when we brought a new coder on board, um, who's Pat now that we've got working for us, he's, um, he, he was, he like had no way of knowing that that functionality was available. Whereas with this global import, um, thing we're thinking about now, people do know that that functionality is available because it's still TypeScript friendly. So anyway, I just wanted to sort of talk out my thoughts here. Um, let me know what you think. If you think it's a terrible idea, that's totally fine. So, I think at least our basic stuff like use model, use model collection, etc., um, those should definitely be automatically imported. We use them in almost every single file. However, this concept of having like a use user collection or use user model and having that automatically imported, I'm still on the fence about that concept. It might be a little bit dangerous. And so I'm kind of throwing this out into the ethos to sort of um, get a little bit of feedback there. So anyway, they're my thoughts. Thanks for listening. Definitely check out quasarcast.com if you haven't already. Um, I'm now starting to edit a lot of my videos. Um, I spoke about this before, how I'm going to make those component videos free for everyone. So I'm just starting to edit those videos now, and they're going to trickle out over the next couple of weeks. And by the time you listen to this, they might actually already be getting trickled out. So definitely check out quasarcast.com if you're interested in learning all of Quasar's components. And yeah, I'll talk to you in the next podcast. Oh, and remember... There is nothing you can't build.